and welcome to Twigged. A light-hearted plant-based podcast exploring the vegetal roots of history and folklore, what might kill you and what makes a decent snack. I'm Alice and I'm a plant-eating expert and a plant-growing amateur. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Alex, a plant history and storytelling enthusiast. I don't know if you remember in our dandelion episode, we asked for anyone to send us dandelion wine. And a very, very kind soul offered to send us some of his dandelion wine. So Forager Jim, thank you so much. We appreciate it more than we can tell you. You're our favorite Instagram now. Thank you so much, Forager Jim. This week on Twigged, we were inspired by Alice's garden. And she's got this glorious, gorgeous foxglove. Oh, thanks, Alex. It's really good. Grew that myself. I did plant about eight of them and only one of them grew. (laughs) But the one that grew is worth eight at least. So yeah, foxglove or digitalis, which is what the genus is known as. And digitalis purpurea. Yeah, that's the most common species and is probably what you've got in your garden, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, there are approximately 20 different species. They're really gorgeous biennials or short-lived perennials, and they tend to flower the second year. They're a cool shape. It's like this big basal skirt and then yeah. and then a tall, elegant stem coming out of them with a, like, I'd call it a spike of flowers at the top. Yeah. And they're a bit fuzzy, aren't they, the leaves? They're like a tiny bit hairy. Yeah. Which is, yeah, they kind of look like you might want to rub your face on them. Don't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll tell you why soon. The foxgloves are pretty unusual, I would say, for flowers because they're these beautiful, like, little bell-shaped flowers and they come in mostly pinks and purples. You can get white ones as well that are a bit more unusual, but they go all the way from like sort of pale hues all the way up to like really vibrant ones. The plant as a whole can grow up to two metres tall and all the little flowers cluster around the tall central stem. And a lot of them have little spots on the inside. So one of the primary bits of lore surrounding the foxglove is that fairies are said to love to hide in them. And the little leopardish spots on the inside, on the bottom bit of the flower, is said to be where the fairies have stepped. Oh, wow. So it's strange how that makes it, or that like the fairies would be so teeny tiny that they could fit, like their the whole fairies could fit inside just the little bell-shaped flowers. Because then they're also called fairy gloves or fairy's cap or fairy's petticoat, mm. which makes you think that... The fairies are a lot bigger if the little flowers can be like a little cap on their head. I I think fairies are flexibly sized. Yeah, let's go with that. (laughs) (laughs) And so after the flowers have have sort of faded away, they give way to a little fruit that contains lots of seeds. And they're green and then they blacken as they ripen. And foxgloves are really good at self-seeding. They only live for about two years, but then they perpetuate themselves by dropping seed. And they're native to Europe, Western Asia, and Northwestern Africa. And they've become naturalized in North America as well. Have they? Mm. Ah. So they're pretty widespread. Well done, Foxglove. (laughs) Getting out there. I've got quite a lot on the name. So Digitalis 
which is the kind of more official name for it, means finger. And it's based on the German name for the plant, which was Fingerhut, which means thimble, but literally it means finger hat, because that's how you use a thimble. I love that. that. You, you stick it on your finger and then you use it for sewing, right? Yeah. Yeah, to not stick yourself with a needle. Yeah. Yeah. The common name that we all know and love is foxglove, which is quite a romantic name, I think. Yeah. As far as I could tell, it's been a common name for it since at least the 14th century. And it's based on the old English name for the for the plant, which is Foxus glof. And there are lots of different theories about the origin myth and the meaning of this. One idea for why they were called foxgloves is that people thought foxes must wear foxgloves on their paws so that they could hunt really quietly, um, which is like a lovely, really sweet <laughs> image, but <laughs> it's a bit mad <laughs> yeah like I, if you've ever seen one of those videos online of someone putting socks or shoes on their dog <laughs> this would <laughs> this would not help the fox move gracefully and quickly they kind of do that weird movement with their feet like ah yeah ah. <laughs> like I saw some video where there was a dog that was part of a firefighting team or something, maybe like a sniffer dog, and they put these little shoes on it to protect its paws from the hot ground. Oh. And the poor dog, like it did not <laughs> like the shoes. <laughs> so I, I can only imagine the little the little fox like trying to run about with these fox gloves on its paws. One of the other theories was that they that they wore them to keep the dew off their paws, oh. which makes me think of finicky little foxes being like, no, I don't, yeah. I don't like it wet. <laughs> <laughs> A slightly more boring theory is that they look like glove fingers and they grow near foxes' dens. Which, yeah. But boo to that one. It's very dull. Boo. No, we want the foxes to be wearing the fox gloves. We want really adorable little foxes wearing tiny little flowers on their on their little fingies. You can kind of, if only fox gloves were around in winter, because that's when they would want them. But did you also see that fox glove might be a corruption of folks gloves? Oh, uh, and folk meaning fairies. So uh, the other name for them, which Alice mentioned earlier, is fairy gloves. But it could also be a corruption of fox's glue which is anglo-saxon for bells so there hence the other name which is fairy bells there are lots of other flower related names of how the flower looks and what it looks like so like fox's fingers goblin gloves which is linked to a welsh legend that hobgoblins would wear them as magical gloves oh wow yeah i liked that are hobgoblins really small then i don't know i um, I seem to be preoccupied with <laughs> would it actually fit the person or animal? And <laughs> really, this is not very important. But what, what are what are the logistics of this? <laughs> but could the fox wear the fox club? That's the question. I know. I don't think that is the question, really, to be honest. Just leave the logic at the door when it you're, comes to these things. You're very practically minded. <laughs> so some of the names that uh, relate to the fuzzy leaves of the plant are flop dock. Floppy dock, flop a dock, goose flops, cow flip, or cow flop. I think I may have just misspelled that. Uh, rabbits flowers and bunny rabbits. And I actually saw dogs lugs. Oh, I don't know that. What's a lug? Ears, right? Is it? I think so. I've got lots of things about bells. Great. Please, please go with the bells. Um, so bloody bells, dead man's bells... I don't know why dead man's bells. I'm guessing because they're 
Can you eat them? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> I was like, damn it, I spoke too soon. No, it's perfect. Also, what a seamless transition. What, oh, what a... <laughs> uh, so yes, so can you eat it? A resounding no. No, highly toxic. So that's where the name dead men's bells comes from, because the flowers look like bells and they can kill you. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently if you ingest only two grams off the leaves, that is enough to kill a person. Jesus. So really, really highly toxic. Yeah. And every single part of the plant is toxic uh, to humans, also to most livestock and also pets. <gasps> so death by foxglove is actually quite rare, but it has happened. And there have been lots of non-fatal instances of poisoning. And it sounds really unpleasant. The majority of cases seem to have been children being accidentally poisoned it's it's happened quite a few times that like foxgloves were in a in a like a glass of water in a vase inside and then the kids drink the water oh and there have been anecdotes of people mistaking it for comfrey which i could totally see the leaves so before the flowers come out the leaves of comfrey and the leaves of foxglove are quite similar yeah. so yeah, it, and that was quite a lesson for me because I've eaten comfrey before, but it's a, it's good to know that you should always wait to see when the flowers come out or be incredibly familiar with a different leaf structure before you eat anything. Yeah. Did you see what the symptoms of the poisoning can be? Um, so I know they can cause like just sickness, vomiting, diarrhea, that kind of thing. And they can cause heart failure. That's like the most serious consequence of um, a person or an animal eating foxgloves, I think, is heart failure. Yeah, that's what'll kill you if they get you. Yeah, all the things you said, the nausea, headache, skin irritation, heart palpitations, potentially heart failure, which can kill you. There's also hallucinations and blurred and or haloed vision. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you can get lots of weird, bad stuff happening. But... So poison, don't take it, don't don't even like, don't lick it, don't do anything. If you touch it, wash your hands, like. This is really weird because when we were kids, we used to play with foxgloves. Did you? And we did not wash our hands and we did not know they were poisonous. We thought they were fun because they made a pop. So I've heard about this. When you were a kid, when it popped, did you think that it was a fairy yelling at you? No, we didn't think anything like that. We just wanted to see if we could make them pop. There was like no rhyme or reason. I just remember going for walks in a forest near where we lived and there was foxgloves everywhere. So we would pick a flower and like put it, put the, op the open end and the little stalk bit between our fingers and then go boop and it should make a cool little pop. I'd heard some people sort of write on the internet that they used to do that as children and they thought they were pissing off the fairies who would oh. then make like a pop sound at them. <gasps> oh, I see. So the fairies were angry that you'd pick their flower, so they yeah. would like and shout like, at you. This is the weird thing about reading about these plants because so many things were like, wear gloves if you handle it and be careful, be careful. But then there were a bunch of other things being like, and children stick their fingers up them and make wishes. Exactly, yeah. And you're like... When we were kids, we would go to the forest, pop all the foxgloves, get in the car, eat some sweets on the way home. Yeah. No hand washing. Terrifying. <laughs> um. It may be poisonous, but it has been used medicinally. So historical medical uses. What have you got for us, Alice? The foxgloves were used to treat loads of different health problems, including like tuberculosis and edema. 
Traditionally, it was put on wounds because it has antioxidant and antibacterial properties. In the first and second century, there was this idea that to cure an ailment in a part of your body, you should find a herb or a plant that had a corresponding shape. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Apparently, foxgloves were thought to look like the mouth and throat. Oh, I see. And the uh, the speckles on the inside represented the inflammation of the throat. Oh, right. And there were alternative common names for the plant that have to do with mouths. One of the names is dragon's mouth. Feels like they ran through the list of animals and then just put mouth after it. They were like rabbit's mouth, bunny's mouth, tiger's mouth, duck's mouth. Oh, wow. There's also gap mouth and throatwort. And then in the 17th century... They used it to treat impetigo, which they also called scabby head. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Led to another name for it, which is scabbit dock. And then in the 19th century, it was used to treat epilepsy. Okay. So there is a theory, and it's very potentially not true, but there is a real theory that... So Vincent van Gogh apparently had some form of epilepsy. And right around the time that he had it was when... People were being treated with an extract of foxglove for epilepsy. And one of the side effects of taking foxglove or digitalis medicinally was xanthopsia, which is when your color perception is distorted. Oh, wow. Uh, and often this leads to the world around you seeming like it might be yellow or green. And so at this point in time, Van Gogh also went through his yellow period of painting. Interesting. Where he painted everything with like a lot of yellow hues. And he paints quite a few paintings at this time that are yellow, but also he paints his doctor in a, quite a few of the paintings. And in a, two of them, I think, his doctor is holding foxglove. Oh. So I, it's not a ridiculous theory that yeah. he may have been treated with foxglove. Yeah. I think. That makes sense. But these days, it's not used by herbalists anymore, as far as I could tell. And it's not used to treat epilepsy anymore. The thing that it is used for is heart conditions so it's digitalis lanata oh, um, yeah the variety of foxglove that is cultivated to make the medicine and the active ingredient obtained from the foxgloves is called um digoxin and this is actually toxic if consumed in large quantities but if given in small doses, it is an effective treatment for heart failure and heart rhythm abnormalities. So the way it's used to treat heart conditions is that it strengthens the muscle tissue and increases the heart's ability to pump blood around the body. Um, and for someone suffering from hypertension, it can regulate heart rate and blood pressure. The use of it for heart conditions was first described by a doctor called William Withering in 1785. The story, which may or may not be true, is that in 1775, he was a doctor at Birmingham General Hospital. And he heard of a patient who I think was a don at Oxford with dropsy, which is a condition related to heart problems, making an excellent recovery after being given a herbal remedy. So trying to find out what this herbal remedy was led him to track down an old woman in a Shropshire village who had administered this said remedy in the form of a tea containing many hedgerow and garden herbs. So Withering went and visited her and convinced her to give him the recipe. 
and then he studied it and deduced that the active ingredient was digitalis, and that was what was having an effect on the heart condition. So he carried out quite extensive experiments testing different parts of the plant at different stages of maturity and at different times of year. That led to further refinements happening over subsequent years until we got what we what we have today. Oh, right. So that story might not be true, but it was seized upon in a marketing campaign for the U.S. pharmaceutical company Park Davis in the 1920s. And they created this character of Old Mother Hutton, who was this sweet, old, stooped Shropshire herb woman who was innocently making her recipe until she was cheated out of it by the conniving Dr. Withering and, and sold it for a song, basically. And and now you too can have Old Mother Hutton's I'm great medicine. For her. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so that's a fun little pharmaceutical marketing ploy. Yeah. So we've talked about its uses for humans. So I thought I'd give a wee little breakdown of some of the species that rely on the foxglove. Lots and lots of species of butterflies and moths have larvae that eat the leaves. And the foxglove pug which is not a dog, but rather a moth, has larvae that eat the flowers. Bees love them, and apparently bees can land on the little lower lip of the foxglove flower and then climb up it to get to the pollen, which is mutually beneficial because as they do that, bees deposit pollen from other foxgloves into that one, allowing them to reproduce. So it's sexy time. (laughs) I've seen the little bees going up into the little foxglove flowers and it's so sweet because you can see them like buzzing away and the little flowers <laughs> shaking away. <laughs> um, although I did see somewhere, make sure if you're doing the like little Welsh tradition of children sticking your finger into the flower, make sure there's not a bee in there. Don't go poking the bee in the bum when it's trying to pollinate the flower. <laughs> the bum is exactly where you don't want to poke a bee. Exactly. That's like... They may look cute and fuzzy, but don't poke them in the bum. Do you have anything else facty before we move on to fictiony? I have no facts whatsoever. Excellent. Great. So, myth and folklore of the foxglove. In Norse folklore, foxes wear the blossoms around their necks as protection against hunters and hounds. Oh. Or alternatively, there's a little variation on it, which is that fairies taught the foxes to ring the foxglove bells to warn each other of an approaching hunt. Oh, I like that. I like it too. I saw another, since you're so keen on the Welsh stories. Oh, yeah. There's a bit of folklore that, so foxgloves are meant to sway around quite a bit, even if there's no wind. Okay. And apparently that's because they bow to the fairies as they pass. Oh, wow. So if you're near a swaying foxglove, then there must be fairies about. Yeah. In Roman mythology, Jupiter, who was the king of the gods, was said to have given birth to Minerva by himself, not with his wife, Juno, who is the queen of the gods. So this angered Juno. So she spoke to the goddess of the flowers, Flora. So Flora took a foxglove and touched it to Juno's belly and breasts and this caused her to become pregnant with a baby who would be Mars, the god of war. So in the same way that Jupiter had created Minerva without a mother, Juno created Mars without a father with the help of a foxglove. I like 
that idea that it's just like oh, smack, smack, smack at the foxglove and like, boom, you're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. And we're done. <laughs> so I guess this is why, because I'd seen that foxglove is linked to midwifery, but I couldn't find any like medical reasons for it. So I guess it's probably pertaining to that story. Yeah. And I'd seen that a couple of the names for foxglove might have something to do with wise women or midwives in a village, uh, which are witches' gloves and granny gloves. I had seen ladies' fingers as well. Oh, yeah. So I have quite a few like little protection things. Mm-hmm. In Scotland, the leaves of the foxglove would be placed on cradles to protect babies from bewitchment. Yeah. And in Shropshire, they were put in children's shoes for the same reason. Oh, yeah. And also apparently as a cure for scarlet fever. Okay. Which I have a feeling was not uh, effective. Related to to protection as well, having foxgloves planted in your garden or in front of your house protects you and the inhabitants from evil. Yeah. But cutting them and bringing them into the house will let the devil and or witches in. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. But then I also saw that um, in some folklore, it was a bad omen if foxgloves grew in your garden. Oh, no. Like it oh, meant so there was going to be... You're down if you do. Yeah, like if... I think it's okay if you plant them yourself, but if they just grow naturally, then that means there's going to be a death in your family. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Oh, scary. So lots of contradicting myths. Yeah. Also, like, I don't want the devil to come into my house, but I know quite a few witches who are lovely, so I'll happily have them come yeah, into great. my house and come right in with the foxgloves. <laughs> Another thing was that picking the flowers was thought to be unlucky because fairies like to chill out in them. Yeah. And they'd be angry if you took their favorite hangouts away. Yeah. And as we have learned in plenty of previous podcasts, do not anger the fairies. Don't. They're real pissy. (laughs) (laughs) So there is an, in Irish folklore, it's said that um, if a child is like really poorly, then it's maybe because it's under the influence of the fairies. Oh, right. (laughs) And sometimes the child was treated with foxgloves. That's Bad idea. <laughs> really bad idea. Yeah. So one one of the remedies was that um, the child would be given the juice of 12 leaves and they would be given this every day in order to get the, the fairies out of their, get the fairies out of their system, I was going to say. By, by killing them? <laughs> yeah. Well, the child's dead now, I suppose. No more fairies. Yeah. They would also give it to adults if um, if an adult was really, really poorly, then apparently they would drink this foxglove con- concoction and they would get even more ill yeah. and then yeah. recover. <laughs> and the getting even more ill part makes sense. But whether the foxglove has anything to do with their eventual recovery, I don't know. Um, And apparently if someone refused to drink this concoction, it was because they were completely irretrievably under the influence of the fairies. Oh, God. Um, And there's also, it is an amulet of foxglove could also cure the urge to keep traveling that resulted when you stepped onto the fairy grass. I feel like I've got the urge to keep traveling. Yeah. So the, the fairies have given you the disease of wanting to travel. Oh, God. And to cure you, we just need to shove some foxglove down your throat. Great. Um, so that's a funny one. Uh, I think Alice is going to poison me. <laughs> so that's the foxglove. The gorgeous, exciting, quite like 
beautiful looking. Yeah. yeah, they look quite sophisticated, don't they? They really do. Beautiful, lethal fox clubs. Yeah. The power to raise the dead and kill the living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many um, different and dubious fox glove related cures. Yes. <laughs> uh, we will uh, put a blanket warning of do not do any of the above. Just because someone did it before doesn't mean you should do it now. You'll probably die. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Doing anything with fox gloves is terrible advice. Don't do any of it. Except look at them. They're gorgeous. Yeah, really pretty. Yeah, plant them. Listen to a podcast about them. Yes. Go nuts. Ideally. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Twigged. If you want to have a look at our website, the address is twiggedpodcast.com. We can be found on Instagram at, at twiggedpodcast. Our email address is twiggedpodcast at gmail.com. And please rate and subscribe us on iTunes, leave us a review, and of course, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neighbours. Tell the fairies. <laughs> tell, tell the fairies. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Twigged. Bye. Bye, Alice. <laughs> um, we'll be back and we'll talk to you soon. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> What's our next episode going to be? I don't know. Ah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs>